Chapter 13, I think it is. I don't want you all to get bored with the Word of God, but I've got to read this chapter. Surely you won't get bored with the Word of God. It's not a boring deal. Nothing more exciting, interesting, and valuable. And you know, Ezekiel, he was in Babylon amongst the captives uh, before the fall of Jerusalem. He started carrying them off. He was prophesying to Jerusalem. Jeremiah, at the same time, was in Jerusalem prophesying to Jerusalem or the southern kingdom. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy. And say thou to them that prophesy out of their own hearts, hear ye the word of the Lord. And we've got a lot of so-called preachers that are preaching out of their hearts, not out of the word of God or out of their heads, not out out of the word of God. They've gotten to where it doesn't really matter what the word says. It's what they think. And that's what people are trying to promote. And that suits a lot of people and they support that. That's why these false prophets have so much support. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit, small s spirit, and have seen nothing. Remember it said that where there's no vision, the people perish? Well, there's no vision. They have seen nothing, see? They don't know the word of God. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Well, I'm not an expert on foxes. I know we have foxes. They're all around. They're about everywhere. In the Arctic and about everywhere. All different kinds of foxes, colors and all that. And I know we got foxes. Go down on Grimes Mill Road. Uh, a road they have fox hunts. And they have the Episcopalian priest to, to bless the hounds. I think they ought to bless the fox. It's the foxes want to get, going to get killed. The hounds will be all right. Well, you know, that's a big traditional thing down there. They make a big deal out of it. Uh, they've never asked me to come down and bless, bless the hounds. I wouldn't even go down and bless the fox, let alone the hounds. Anyway, what about foxes? They're cowards. <laughs> they run and hide. They, they and run. He said the prophets of Israel... They're like the foxes in the deserts. They're cowards. Huh? Well, how about that? You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. The hedge, well, a hedge is a defense, like a wall or a fence. 
And in battle, you get gaps in the wall. Well, now these prophets ought to be going there standing in the gap (laughs) and protecting Jerusalem. But they ain't doing it. Well, uh, they have seen vanity and lying divination. That's what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Brother Tim was on that, the witch at Endor. She was a liar. She claimed she called up the dead. And when, when, Sa- when Samuel came up, she was scared. Wah! Scared her to death. She had no, no idea that something was going to happen. She's used to, to lying. Well, that's what these prophets have seen. Lying divination. Saying, the Lord saith. And the Lord had not sent them. <laughs> and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain vision? Have you not spoken a lying divination? Whereas you say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. He's talking about the prophets of Israel. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity. And that divine lies, they shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord God. That's all through this book of Ezekiel. Ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Most people nowadays do not know that this is the Lord God. But they shall know it. Because even because they have seduced my people saying, Peace! And there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstone, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherewith you have daubed it? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it. Break it in two. With a stormy wind in my fury. And there shall be an overflow, an overflowing shower in mine anger. And great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that you have daubed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered and it shall fall and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar and will say unto you, the wall is no more, neither they that daubed it.
to wit the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem and which see visions of peace for her and there is no peace saith the Lord God. Likewise thou son of man set thy face against the daughters of thy people which prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy thou against them and say thus saith the Lord God woe to the women that sow pillows to all armholes and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and will you save the souls alive that come unto you and will you pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people and that hear your lies? Wherefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against your pillars, wherewith you, uh, ye there hunt the souls to make them fly or flee, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let the souls go, even the souls that you hunt to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore you shall see no more vanity, nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of Exodus, or Ezekiel 13. Sound like some serious stuff, doesn't it? Look over here at chapter 14 real quick. Verse 12, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when the land sendeth against me by transgressing grievously, or trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. If I cause noisome, it's evil beasts, to pass through the land, and they spoil it, so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast. Though these three men are in it, were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the, but the hand shall be desolate, or the land shall be desolate. And he says again, verse uh, 19, If I send pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from, whom, from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver, deliver their own souls by their righteousness. You know, there's a lot of folks today that say Noah, Daniel, and Job didn't even live. They're just mythological creatures, men. Doesn't sound like myth to me. And what about Noah? The Apostle Peter said he was a preacher of righteousness. What about Daniel? He was one of the four Hebrew children 
among whom there was no blemish. And what about Job? Oh, God said he was a man, a perfect man, and eschewed evil. These are three righteous men. But they couldn't do a thing to stop the judgment of God on Jerusalem, on the southern kingdom. Jeremiah said, though Moses and Elijah interceded before me, I will not hear them. No, you shouldn't pray for them. Are we getting there? I think we're just about there in the same condition. Well, here's what we're talking about in chapter 13, verse 14, or verse 10. Because even because they've seduced my people, there's just a whole bunch of people who claim to know the Lord who have been seduced into believing what's going on in this world is all right. I'm talking about you mentioned the LGBTQ and whatever else you call them. That whole mess. And I'm talking about the baby murderers. Do you know right now that they have put a man in prison? And he may spend some time there. Because he was protesting abortion outside of a baby murder and abortion clinic. Congress has passed a law. It's called the FACE Act. Check me out on that. I don't know much about it, but I do know that it's passed. And because of that, there's a man who's got a wife and a bunch of children, and they've got him in. The FBI has got him in prison right now because he was interfering by protesting with people murdering babies. We are the enemy. I remember a time when people that knew the Lord were looked at to be as the stabilizing factor in our, in our society. Now what we've got, communists in Washington, atheists, and evolution from the government schools. There's a wall built in verse 10. First, they seduced God's people by saying, Oh, peace. Jeremiah said this, the prophets prophesy falsely. They say, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Oh, God wouldn't judge anybody. Oh, God's like Santa Claus. He's just real happy, jolly, jolly good fella. They love Santa Claus. Matter of fact, they told me that uh, December the 25th is on Sunday this year. I'd say we'll see some churches that are shutting down on Christmas Day. Well, you know it's important to go home to your family on Christmas Day. Somebody's been seduced. They've seduced my people. And they and one built up a wall. And low others daubed it with untempered mortar. Well, you get the idea of a brick wall. I'm not a 
certainly not a mason in the club, and I'm not a mason by trade. I did do some masonry work. Uh, at one time, I was even in had a card in the uh, bricklayers union because we were caulkers and pointers and tuck pointers. So I did know a little bit about about bricklaying. So, well, what is this untempered mortar? Well, you lay up a wall, and you got your mortar joints. You've watched them lay brick, haven't you? A concrete block and brick. Stone's different, but you've got your straight line. You lay a course, and you've got got your mortar. Then you lay your brick, level them all out, get them all there. And then you go on up, and by the time that that mortar, about an hour is all you want your enough mortar mixed to use and you throw it away and get some more because if you put it on your mortar board by the time it gets to you you've got your hod carrier that mixes it and carries it up to you and, and all of that they just sprinkle just a little bit of water on it and remix it that's called tempering the mortar and then after, after you get it laid you get several courses laid. Then when that mortar, you can make a fingerprint on it. It's not hard, set up, cured out, but it's hard enough you can make a leave a fingerprint on it. Then you take your rod. You got all different kinds of rods for whatever kind of joint you're doing. And you rod that joint. And when you do that and do it right, number one, the mortar holds, it's tempered. And number two, it will turn water. It's pretty much waterproof. Eventually you need to damp proof the thing, but that's, that's why you temper mortar. And if that's not done, that wall is not going to stand. And that's what God tells them. See, none of that's changed all these years. And that's why God tells them, that they they built the wall. God didn't build it. That wasn't under God's instructions. And they daubed it with untempered mortar. And then verse 11. Say unto them which daub it with untempered mortar. That it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower and great hailstones and a stormy wind. Man is in rebellion against God. Has been since Adam. And it hadn't gotten any better. Man's nature has not improved. That's why I don't understand how people could get a, a doctrine going that Old Testament saints weren't regenerated. It doesn't make any sense. Why? You mean to tell me those Folks back there had good natures, righteous natures. Of course not. Human being hadn't ever had a righteous nature since Adam sinned. Amen. He's the only one who ever had one, and he and he wrecked it. He made a choice. He made his exercise his free will, his free moral agency, and he chose to sin against God. 
And ever since then, every offspring of Adam, which is the whole human race, there's only one race, the human race. Now we veered off a little bit from Noah. We scattered. God scattered us at the Tower of Babel after the flood. We all go back to Noah. I don't care who you are. But we bottleneck there and then we go back to Adam. All of us do. So you got some. Shem went uh, to the east and Japheth went to the north and Ham went to the south. Say, what color are they? I don't know. Didn't say. The Bible doesn't say. When the Bible doesn't say, you ought not to say. Anyway, hadn't been a change in their nature. If God didn't implant a new nature in Adam and Eve, they're in hell today. But I don't believe they are. I believe God did them. I believe it showed. When they first ran from God, hid from God, and when God killed the animal, killed an animal, and made skins, breeches, to cover Adam and Eve. One supplied many. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, I believe there was a change in his nature, and that's why instead of fleeing, hiding from God, he reached up and received what God gave him by faith. And that that involves a repentance change in him. There was a change in him. There was a change in the thief on the cross. There was a change in Saul of Tarsus. And there's a change in every one of God's elect that God brings to him. Anyway, but sinful man remains in rebellion against God. But he ain't real comfortable in that. So he builds him up a wall. A wall is there for self-defense. Uh, the, only, the only people that don't believe that a wall works is Joe Biden and the Democrats. However, they've got a big wall around the White House, and they've got walls. Pelosi's got big walls around her house in San Francisco. Walls work for them, and it just doesn't work for our country because they can't steal enough votes without all those illegal aliens, and they're not migrants. They are not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. I'm tired of people calling them migrants. They're not migrants. Migrants come in here the legal way. Anyway, they built them up a wall. And what is that wall? It's a wall to provide security. Because man is so insecure in his rebellion against God, he manufactures religion. Oh, everybody's got a religion. 
I'm going to tell you this. Some people deny it, but it can't be denied. Evolution is a religion. Do you know why? You don't have any scientific facts to justify evolution. But people say, I believe in evolution. There's a religion. And it is a religion. One of the many religions that they built up, that they manufactured. And they think they stand secure behind it. But if you ever heard Ken Ham talking to Bill Nye, the banana cousin, what happens to you, Bill, when you die? It's over with. That's what they say they believe. But you know, somehow I don't believe that that's exactly how they feel. I think they're manufacturing that feeling. Uh, I knew of a fellow one time, and I talked to him about the Lord, and he got mad at me. We were friends up to that time. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, he was sick. He was, he was not long from death. He said, well, Jerry, I'll tell you. You talk to me about all this stuff. Talk about the gospel, Christ and all, you know. He said, I, I believe if I do what the Masons told me, tell me to do. He's talking about the Mason club. He ain't never laid a brick in his life. If I do what they tell me to do, I'll be all right. Well, I wasn't around when he died. They didn't call me. But his daughter-in-law was an Episcopalian. And I heard that not only did he have the Masonic Lodge and their chaplain come and shake the stuff over his coffin, He had the daughter-in-law to call her Episcopalian priest who came and brought his little kid and he sprinkled him and served the Eucharist to him. In other words, what I'm telling you, he told me he was all right with the Masons. But he wasn't. He had to get somebody else come and do something else for him. Because he wasn't sure of anything. Well, I believe he died and went to hell because he was lost as a goose. He heard the gospel, but he wanted nothing to do with it. And what is the parable? It said, we will not have this man to rule over us. Well, he's not very secure in the wall that he's built up. He had him a wall. They've got a wall of indifference to divine truth. I mean churches. Many churches have quit espousing any doctrine. All they preach is love. And universal salvation. And that God just wants you to be happy and to be successful. And here's how to be happy and to be successful. Here's how to do it. 
And that's what their sermons are. Telling them how to be happy and successful. But I'll tell you, there's only one thing that helps you. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. That's all. They say, well, people don't like you for that, Brother Gum. Who? I mean, and, and what? What does that mean? I know that. I'm well aware of that. I've been in this thing long enough that I understand that I'm never going to be popular preaching what I preach. If I ain't made it by now, I sure ain't going to make it from now to whatever time I check out. And I haven't made it very... Matter of fact, even people who claim to be the same as I am don't like the truths that we preach. They've got them a wall built up. They're indifferent to true truth. That's why they labor on their opinions. I've had preachers... Well, I'm convicted of this. I don't care what you're convicted of. Conviction is not where it's at. The truth is where it's at. The truth of God's word is where it's at. That that heathen woman that throws her baby to the alligators, and there are, or crocodiles. You think she's not sincere and sincerely convicted to throw her baby over a cliff into a, a, a river full of crocodiles and they do it I'd say she is pretty convicted but it doesn't help her does it well I'm convicted of this I've had Baptist preachers tell me that well brother God I can't help I'm convicted of this I don't care what you're convicted of your conviction I don't have a right to impose my convictions on you. I don't have a right to stand and preach my convictions. I must preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Anyway. Why do you think we have all uh, translations? Bible, And I think I've seen that there's another one on the way. Another translation of the scriptures on the way. I'm going to say this to everybody that loves all of these other translations. All you're doing is confusing the issue. I know the King James is not perfect. There is no perfect translation of anything from one language to another. It's impossible to have it. And anybody that knows anything about language knows I'm telling the truth. No, the King James is not perfect. But it's way ahead of whatever else is out there. And anything that needs to be corrected, it's probably because the Episcopalian Church of England trans, or, uh, translators working under the thumb of King James had to do what he said. He said, don't mess with the word ecclesia, baptizo. You interpret those by what we mean. And there's a few other words there too. Anyway, 
all these different translations. Yeah, I, I don't remember what what the letters are of it. I'm, I'm not really that familiar with all these different translations. Just a couple of them I know a little bit about. Don't intend to get familiar. Don't, none of the preachers, don't you ever advise me or uh, uh, encourage me to look at a new translation. I'll tell you to shove it. I don't need another translation. Don't want another translation. Wouldn't spend a nickel on another translation. I got all I need. I appreciate what Brother Brong always said. Man needs three things to study the Bible. He needs a King James translation if he's an English speaker. He needs an English dictionary. And he needs a good Bible concordance. You take those three books and study the Bible. That's all you need. All the other, you better watch all the rest of them. And I put something on Facebook today about what Brother Ron said. There's only one book that you can recommend without any reservation. And that's God's book, the Holy Bible. Amen. So, they've got all of their stuff. Their new ways. What about the emerging churches we've got now? They haven't, they haven't even lighted on where they're going to light. And they got everything different. Oh, well, we're in a new age. We've got to do things differently. God hadn't changed. His word hadn't changed. But they built them a wall. They've got their wall. They've got their rituals. They've got their ceremonies. Look over chapter 22. Verse 26. Her priests have violated my law. Oh, some of them said he doesn't even have a law now. <laughs> I think that'd be a violation when you. And have profaned mine holy things. That'd be like baptism and the Lord's Supper. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. Uh, the English word profane came from the Latin profanos meaning outside the holy. They've taken the three times holy God and made him unholy. That's what that says. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood, to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, uh, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. 
I've heard some of them preach, stand in the gap. God's asking you to stand in the gap. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Who stood in the gap? Jesus, God's Christ. That's who stood in the gap. That's who stood there at the Garden of Eden. That's who stood there at the cross of Calvary. That's who's in the gap making up the hedge. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't put a man in there. He's got no business there. He can't do anything there. So they've got their wall of ceremonies. Uh, Do you know that there are so-called Baptist churches now that have gotten into christening babies all across the land? Southern Baptists, Northern Baptists, others. They like all of the fanfare. They bring their baby and they go through a naming situation, christening and all that. They get the godfather and godmother and do all that, just like Catholics. That's in their wall they built up. Oh, we really feel good. We've gone to this church that really does things for our children. That's what's going on. Infant baptism. Well, you know, people just get all giddy over that. Here, my our new baby. But you know, our new baby is the best that ever was. It is the cutest, the prettiest, and it's going to be the smartest ever. It's our baby, and we get to take our baby and have that holy man to do all that stuff over him or her. That's what's going on. That's in their wall that they built up. They've got them a wall, a wall of protection. We don't need all that truth of God's word. We got all of our stuff. This is where we are. They've got their holy days. Churches aren't moving away from holy days. Lent, Easter, Christmas. Oh, we're coming right back into it. Bending their knees, counting beads. Popes, councils, crusades, sacraments, charismatics. Protestants have been partaking of all that for a long time. They never got far enough away from the Catholic Church to get away from those things. But now you got Baptists moving right into all that. They're working on that wall too. They're all busy building that wall. Protecting themselves from the wrath of God. From the wrath which is to come. Look quickly at Matthew 7. Verse 21. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And how do you find out the will of the Father who's in heaven? Right here in his word. And that's the only place. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out demons? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. My, that wall is not going to be much protection, is it? Matter of fact, it's not going to be any protection at all. But now, you know, there's a whole lot of people that have participated in that wall. You look back through history. There's always been a world of religion. There's all kinds of religion everywhere. Matter of fact, it really snowballed when they built the Tower of Babel. Nimrod. There was the expansion of worldwide religion right there at Babylon. A hundred and some odd years after the flood. And matter of fact, you get the idea that they were building a tower to go all the way to heaven. They knew it wasn't going to get there. They knew they couldn't build anything that big. But what they were doing, they built them a, probably a ziggurat, like a pyramid with a flat top. And they climbed that. And up on that top of that thing, they had all of the astrological signs they had their items there to worship the stars and the sun and the moon. And that's where all idolatry really got its going. Is at Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. You know the majority will always work on such a thing as that wall. They will. That's why you've got billions of people that are in Roman Catholicism. And boy, do they have the religion. They've got so much religion, it's hard to even fathom what they've got. I don't know how they do. I don't think they all do. I mean, they've got a genuflect or they've got a cross. Or they've got a bead. You see those beads? And they got a what they call a patron saint. And each one of those beads, they might say a prayer to that saint. Each one of them. Now the real faithful ones, they go through that whole string of beads. And each time they stop at a bead, they pray to that saint that they think they've got there. I don't know about you, that'd take a lot of time. That's a lot of religion. And then when they go to their 
so-called, I can't call it a church, but their building, their outfit. I don't have ever been in one I have. My, have my family's Catholic. I've been to Catholic funerals and, and all that. Every one of them, they got a vestibule and it's got a big thing full of light, full of candles. Anybody ever seen that? Well, then they go in there and they pay some money and then they light them a candle. And they're praying for some loved one to get out of purgatory. That's what they do when they go in. Then when they get in their pew, they got a kneeling bench. They get in there and they kneel and they cross themselves and all of that. And then they pray to Mary. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us, poor sinners. Say, so, well, they believe in Jesus. Well, somewhere along the line they do. Somewhere along the line they've got a Jesus, but but he's not very important because it's Mary that's important there. They've got so much religion built up on this wall. But let me tell all of them, they have daubed that wall with untempered mortar and it will not stand. Well, then look at chapter 13, verse 17. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart. There's daughters prophesying, and prophesy thou against them. You prophesy against them. They're prophesying out of their hearts, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the women that sold pillows to all armholes. Well, A lot of people like a lot of pillows. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like. I'm not a, I'm not a pillow man. Uh, but the pillows he's talking about here are religious pillows. Every armhole they've got they've got a pillow. Got them even sewed to it that you. Comfort and ease is what it's all about. So give me a doctrine, preacher, that'll give me some comfort. That's the pillars he's talking about. Sow me a, a pillar that I can take comfort in it. And I won't have to worry about dying and going to hell. You can tell me I'm all right. Give me that pillar. And that's what he's talking about. My, my, my. God is against them. The men and the women and the prophets that prophesy falsely. All is help building this wall. Think about this. Now sometimes we need help. Sometimes help is good. But building this wall, you got loads of help all over the world. You can get on the internet and you can contact all kinds of religious folk 
that'll give you all kinds of advice and give you all kinds of their truth and take you a far peace from the Lord. But you see, all of that help is unqualified. What if we were building up a wall here? We're going to build up a brick wall for a fence on the fence row around here. Do you think I would advertise for everybody wants to help come on out and help us? Why? They ain't qualified. What kind of wall would they build? It wouldn't be a wall that would do anything. It wouldn't stand. Wouldn't have any help out of it at all. Because all the help is unqualified. And let me tell you. That all the religious help in this world. Is unqualified to build the Lord's wall. Except those who are here under the call and the mandate of God Almighty through the whole counsel of His Word. I don't care what kind of degree they've got. Now, where are you? What is your wall? Well, I've got a wall that's going to make it because I know who's standing in the gap. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. My wall will stand because he will stand. He'll be there. And what wall will stand in that awful day of judgment? Will your wall stand? If your wall's the one that has Jesus Christ standing in the gap, it'll stand through his word.